You're listening to the From Hostage to Hero podcast, episode number 241. When you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Hey, we're getting close to 250 podcasts, which is amazing. I would like to up the reviews of the podcast, so if you haven't done that, please go do that. Um, The reviews are good. I'm so excited that you guys are loving the podcast and loving me. I love you back. I love you, man. If you're walking your dog right now or driving and listening to me, I just want you to feel the sorry love wash all over you right now. I love you. Now, today we're talking about my advice for young lawyers. So I got to tell you, that one of my favorite people on earth who also happens to be one of the best trial lawyers that ever lived and is one of the only people that could call me out and I'd listen to that shit called me out and so this podcast is for them and you know who you are um, because I do not normally listen to feedback that I don't agree with but I ended up agreeing with some of this not all of it and anyway I'm getting in the weeds but my podcast at the first of the year uh the one if you haven't listened to about how you have your best life ever um kind of ticked this person off and the reason for that is because in that podcast I talked a lot about designing your life exactly the way that you wanted it and I talked about taking 10 weeks off like I do. I didn't suggest you do that, but I just gave it as an example. I talked about saying no. I talked about have to versus choose to. And the person who called me out was saying, this is not advice that young lawyers need to be hearing right now. Because right now, in this part of their career, they need to be focused. They're going to be working more than they probably ever have in their life. They they can't take 10, 10 weeks off. They Trial is going to require things of them. And this is just not, they're going to have to do things that they don't, you know, that they have to do. So could you like stop giving that advice? <laughs> and so I want to say a couple things in my defense Not that I need to defend myself with this person because I love them. But first is that I've been on the record, maybe not in that podcast, but I have, if you listen to me throughout the 250 episodes, we're not there yet, but you know, I've been on the record many times in saying, one, that if you are in trial or just starting out, that these types of things don't apply. I mean, every trial lawyer who's actual trial lawyer will know that you put in long days and long hours and long weeks in trial. It's grueling. And there's no getting out of that. I know as a trial consultant who used to be 
at trial with my lawyers and often do that now with my mastermind clients that it's hard on me as a trial consultant. It's long hours. So I, I, I don't want to have given the impression that, oh, this is how you can just be in the world <laughs> when it's in trial. Again, taking 10 weeks off is something I can do. I'm not saying it's totally out of the realm of possibility for trial lawyers to do. I would love for y'all to start taking vacation at all. That would be a good start. And my definition of have to is, again, even the things that we quote unquote have to do, many of those things we actually don't. But the things that we actually end up having to do, change your mindset and choose to do them because they are in service of a bigger goal. So that's what I mean when I talk about have to. But the biggest thing that I wanted to to clarify is our avatar. Now, before I say this, I don't want young lawyers to stop listening to me because I love you and so many of my 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 avatar, who I'm going to talk about in just a minute, say to me, where were you when I started out? So I want to be a resource. And so that's why I'm so glad that this person did call me out because it allows me to make this clarifying statement. Our avatar, we call him Joe. He's from North Carolina. That's my biggest contingency right now in the crew as for my North Carolinoliums. I think that's how you say it, right? That's how you say it. I'm never going to learn how to say that correctly because it pisses y'all off. I love it. Um, He's between 40 and 60 years old, and he's not super tech savvy, rarely on Facebook, and he's old school and buys all the books and does all the things. Okay, that's who I'm talking to. He has been in practice for 20 plus years. When I, when you write a book, when you create a podcast, anything, the prevailing advice is speak to one person. I'm speaking to Joe. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get things from my podcast if you are female or person of color. Joe happens to be white. And that is only because Joe, is, that is the trial lawyer right now. We're changing that. Not that I don't love my white Joes. I'm just saying. But it means that that is my avatar currently. And that is who I'm speaking to. So if you are a woman, not everything is going to apply that I'm talking about because we have a different set of challenges. Now, I have a lot of podcasts specifically for my women. So I'm not, you know, saying that there's not stuff here for you, but some of the things that I'm saying you might be listening to over the last several years and go, I could never do that as a woman. And I'd be right there with you going, yeah, I know. I mean, I would never agree with never because there's always a way. But or you might be listening to this as a young attorney and go, I could never do that. Well, yeah, because again, I'm talking to Joe. Now, having said all of that, Here's what I've learned from Joe that is going to apply to all your young lawyers, okay? Here's who Joe is. Joe has won. Joe is in this kind of middle place, and he, like, wants to be better, and he finds me, and then he, his career takes off. But here is also what I've noticed about Joe is that when he's coming out of this middle place and he finds me and us and our whole ragged tag band of, of misfits, which is Team Sorry, he looks like a fucking zombie. He looks like he just came out of a bomb shelter. And so I don't want that for you as young lawyers. And again, I apologize for my voice. I'm still struggling 
with the bronchitis. So I have three things for you because you know I love my threes and here they are. Number one, learn to manage your brain. By the way, a lot of these things also apply to my Joes. Trial lawyering is one of the biggest mind fucks that could ever happen to a human being. It is one thing, one mind fuck after another. It's not even like this one thing. It's all the fucking time from opposing counsel, from, from sometimes your staff, sometimes your co-counsel, sometimes your clients, the jury, the judge, all of it is a mind fuck. It's a huge risk to go to trial, all of the things. So if you don't want to be 20 years in your career and stumbling out of that, that bomb shelter looking like, you know, you, you shell-shocked, you will learn now, early, and often to manage your brain. Now, what do I mean by that? We all have a brain that is amazing. I love my brain. It's my favorite thing about me. But our brains are assholes. They're like little fuckers, man. And they do it for a good reason, right? They want to make sure that we are not going to die. That's their that's primary thing is like, don't die. So brains are always on the lookout for anything that could be like, you're going to die. And unfortunately, brains haven't evolved much past caveman days where, you know, a bear jumps out and eats you. And so any kind of change, anything different, anything risky, the brain is still thinking a bear is going to jump out and eat you. Okay. So in its attempt to do a good thing, which is to keep you alive, it adds all this extra stress and pressure on you as a trial lawyer by making you second guess every last fucking thing. It makes you think that you are horrible. It makes you think that you are stupid. It makes you think that you're dumb. <clears throat> Excuse me. And here's the thing. As a new lawyer, that's even that on steroids. Because I'm sorry to say it, you are going to do a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> you are going to be wrong a lot of the time because you're learning. And that is how it is going to be for you as a young lawyer. So what you need to do so that we don't lose you because we need you, especially women. Women leave trial lawyering in like record numbers. And you know when they leave it? They leave it after their first loss. So we need you, and for order for you to like stay in this mindfuck of a profession, which can also be one of the most exhilarating professions in the world. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be here. This is like exciting shit that you guys do. You have to learn to manage your brain. You have to be able to hear those voices. And here's the big thing. Have your own back. And talk nicely to yourself because you're going to have a lot of bosses that are not going to talk nicely to you. You're going to have a lot of opposing counsel that's not going to talk nicely to you. You're going to have a lot of judges that are going to dress you down in front of the fucking jury. You've got to be the one person in your world that has your own back, that tells yourself, I could have done that differently. I did miss that, but I'm still a worthwhile person and I'm going to get this and I'm going to learn it. Because what you're about to go through, what you're going through right now is going to be fucking hard. Don't make it harder by being your worst enemy. See, here's the big thing that's out there in the trial lawyer world right now. 
It's this fear of complacency. Y'all have this feeling that if you actually believed that you were amazing, that you would stop doing the things to be amazing. You get lazy, that you wouldn't care anymore, and nothing could be further from the truth. I am exceptional. I'll just come out and say it. You are exceptional. My being exceptional is not a product of me constantly questioning whether I'm exceptional or not or being afraid of no longer being exceptional. My being exceptional is a product, first and foremost, of believing it and wanting to continually improve upon that and loving the fuck out of my job so that I continually do epic, exceptional shit. It's not because I'm scared or I'm worried that I'm going to get lazy or complacent. So get that out of your mind right away, that somehow if you believe that you're, you're exceptional, that that somehow means you won't learn anything or work hard anymore. And by the way, you believing you're exceptional doesn't mean that you know everything or that you know more than your boss, because you don't. Not yet. You can still believe you're exceptional because you are. Build on that. Number two, learn to manage your time. Here's the thing, when you work for someone, and I, I did not mean to give the impression in my first podcast, again, I was talking to Joe, that this is not the case, but when you work for someone, especially as a young lawyer, they own your ass, as it should be, because they're taking a chance on you. They're seeing what you're made of. They have put in their, their work. They have gotten their stripes. Now, the good ones will be right there in with you, working up until midnight at, you know, before trial. I mean, maybe not. Some of them have learned and they're like, you know, you guys got this. I'm, I'm going to go and get some rest. But that's the deal. So it's even more important for you to manage the time that is yours because you're going to have to start saying no to a lot of shit so that because you're saying so, so much yes to your employers, that the time that's left is for you. Not for stuff that you think you should be doing or that you feel guilty about or that you feel pressured to do. You're already owned <laughs> by your boss. You got to manage your time so that the time you do have for you, that that time is edifying and that is nurturing and that is restorative. Because again, being a young lawyer is hard. Number three, learn to manage your learning. You're going to learn so much in your first five to seven years, which is when I consider you to be a new lawyer. In fact, we were just having a staff meeting today and they were talking about new lawyers and she's like, you know, new lawyers are, no, we were talking actually about our three avatars. We've got Joe. We've got Joey, which is hilarious because we have a Joey in our in our crew, um, who's a younger lawyer. And then we've got Joseph, who is like an older lawyer. And and so they were talking about Joey as a new lawyer. I'm like, no, 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 no. Joey's not a new lawyer. Joey's a younger lawyer, like five to 12 years. New lawyers are one, one to five, zero to five. So you're going to be learning so much in that first five years. And one of the things that I will give you in terms of advice is to learn absolutely everything you possibly can. 
And I talk a lot in this podcast about being authentic and being yourself and finding your own voice. And what I'm about to say is going to sound like it's so anti-sorry advice, but, but, but listen, when you're first a lawyer or speaker or whatever it is that you're trying to do, copy the shit out of everybody that you see. I did. I copied my mentor for years. That's how I found my own voice. It's, it's a lot for somebody to say, well, just find your own voice, be authentic, when you don't even know what that is. You got to try some shit on. So go get your cardigans and be random again. That would be even more funny if you were a man listening to this. Go hold your hands out in front of you and, and ask your jury to be brutally honest. Go do that weird shit that Jerry Spence does where he talks about, I'll show you, you show me mine, I'll show you whatever that is, right? With Jerry. Go, go do all the things. Go copy all the things. That's what you should be doing. And I don't want you listening to this podcast thinking, well, I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to be authentic. You don't know what authentic, authenticity is yet. I don't mean to talk to you like you're a teenager, but this world is going to like chew you up and spit you out. So during that process... While you're earning your stripes, steal shit, copy shit. And I don't mean steal like in the bad way, but like take all the things and go try it and experiment and go, that didn't work. I don't like that. Ooh, I like this with this twist on it. That's how you develop your own style. Randy McGinn literally talks about, you know, the style, like clothes that she went to, she went through. She has this great presentation where she's literally changing clothes in front of you. No, you don't get to see anything that much, men, but it's a great. In fact, the one time she did it, the first time I saw it, it was in front of men. She's like, I've never done this in front of men. Um, But it was very modest and it was great. But she literally went through an iteration in clothing styles, and I'm sure she would admit, in in her style as a trial lawyer. Now she's a fucking legend. Randy fucking McGinn. That's her name. I mean, that's what I think her name is. That's her name, right? That's on your passport, right, Randy, if you're listening? All right. So copy, copy, copy. And the caveat to this number three is question every damn thing. You're a new lawyer, but you're not like, not don't have a brain of your own. Question every damn thing. If there's any advice that I can give you, it is, and maybe you don't question it in front of your employer, but in your own mind, you are like, why the fuck are we doing it th- that way? Listen to your own voice. That may mean that you will do it that way as long as you work for that person. But you start developing your intuitive sense. Don't let anybody ever take that from you because that is the one thing that I am now having to do. (laughs) The work in my world is to to give that back to you. That's what I'm doing with the Joes that are coming out shell-shocked is saying, hey, you do have instincts. Those are good. Let's tap back into that, okay? Because it's been worked out of them. You're going to have to play the game for a while. And you're going to learn, you're going to learn, and you're going to learn. But I, right now, want you to make the commitment that you will never not trust your instincts. You may have to act against your instincts sometimes, especially if you're working for someone else. But that you never discount those instincts. You question every damn thing. And for the person who called me out, I hope that this makes up for it and that we are now square. I love you. And I love you, those of you who are listening. And I hope this was helpful. Talk soon. 
Have you ever wished that you knew what the jury was thinking? Well, grab a pen and paper because I'm about to give you instant access to a free training I created for plaintiff trial attorneys called Three Powerful Strategies to Help You Read a Juror's Mind. It's going to help you to understand what the jury is thinking so you'll feel confident to trust them and yourself in the courtroom. Ready for the address? Go to sorryswears.com forward slash jury. Enjoy. Enjoy.